Welcome. You're listening to the Think Like an Entrepreneur podcast because it turns out there's no such thing as a struggling entrepreneur. There are only business owners still operating from an employee mindset. I'm your host, business coach Katherine Morrison. Now let's dig in. Hello, hello, party people. How is the day? How are you feeling? I am so good, you guys. I got back yesterday from my friend Cole's house. She had messaged me on Instagram a couple weeks ago and invited me to a girls weekend at her house. And I got no further details. So I just showed up. She lives right outside of Austin. I had assumed it was an Austin thing. We have some friends in common. And I got there and it was like basically a reunion weekend for she used to live in New York City. So it was a bunch of her friends from New York and an old childhood friend from San Francisco. And I was the only Austin person there. And it was just so fun to meet a whole group of new people. I'd never met before and connect with people. And I think it was like the second night that I slept there. I, you guys who have small kids, you will recognize what a big deal this is. But I woke up at like 9, 9 a.m., maybe even 9.30. I was like, what is happening? It was amazing. So I am feeling energized. And today I'm feeling, let's be real, with all that energy, I'm feeling a little fiery. And today's topic just stokes the flames because it's something I feel extremely passionate about having lived through it. And I've actually never heard anyone do a podcast on specifically this, like the topic of creating, like leaving a high income salary and going into entrepreneurship. And I wish that somebody had created this episode for me a few years ago. It smacked me around a little bit when I was earlier on. So here we are. Buckle up, buttercups. Today's podcast is is specifically for people who have high income salaries, high income jobs as employees, or you were someone with a high income salary or a high income job and you're now full-time in your business. And there are specific obstacles that I see happen for people in that camp around coming into entrepreneurship. And today we're gonna unpack and talk about them. First of all, high income is relative. If you make $100,000 in San Francisco, California, you're probably not feeling high income. If you make $60,000 in a small town in Indiana, you probably feel rich. And it's important to start with that because the criteria of like if this applies to you, it's not a certain number threshold. It's only if you have the thought, I make too much money to walk away from this. And here's the deal. If you have already left your high income job and you're about to turn off this podcast because you think it doesn't apply to you, keep listening, my friend. If you have any sort of like ever going, being like, ooh, that was a lot to walk away from. If that's ever a thought that even springs up in your mind, you keep on listening. So a lot of you guys are holding yourselves hostage with this thought or something very similar to this thought. Like your actual desire is to leave your job and start your own thing, like deep, deep desire. And then your brain comes in with this thought and it's like the door to the cage is wide open and you yourself come back in and lock the door. And if this is you, I think a really good question to get honest with yourself about is a throwback to the episode I had on earning and money integrity. Ask yourself this, how much am I willing to sell my soul for? How much am I willing to self-abandon for? And then decide your number. Like make a conscious choice to sell yourself away 
And don't tell yourself that you have to because you don't have to. No matter your pile of circumstances, your high cost of living area or your number of kids or whatever, someone else has walked the path with those same circumstances and committed themselves to figuring it out and totally come out the other side because of it. Just their thoughts, right? It's the only thing that was different was their attitude and mindset around it. So now if you sat with that question and felt into it and you decided that number isn't worth selling yourself away for, the first thing you have to do is never fucking tell yourself that it's too much to walk away from or you can't believe you walked away from it if you've already left ever again, right? Like, you know, if somebody just lit up a cigarette in your house, you would politely tell them that you don't allow smoking in your house. That thought is a smoker, not allowed in your house anymore, not allowed in your inner realm anymore. That really is an option. And to those of you that left the high income job and you're now fully working on your business, feeling a little high and mighty that you had the courage to make the jump. I am talking to you too, because here's how that thought shows up once you've actually left the job. Resentment about where you are in your business because you constantly compare it to how much you were making in your job before, and you constantly focus on the gap between where you are in your business and how much you used to make. And you sit around thinking about how long it's going to take for you to make as much as you used to. And every single milestone in your business doesn't even feel revolutionary, celebratory, and delightful because when you have your first $10,000 month, your brain immediately goes to how many more of those you'll need to be back at your old salary or that it's straight up not enough because you used to make so much more. Because if you had really decided it didn't matter how much you were making before because it had nothing to do with what you had decided you were committed to doing with your life, you wouldn't entertain those thoughts. And I think some of you don't even realize how fucking poisonous those thoughts are. So let's really dive into it, right? If you're making or used to make so much money and your brain won't let you feel happy or proud of yourself until you get back to quote unquote where you were, I want you to really consider how miserable you're choosing to make yourself day in and day out and not allowing yourself to be proud of the magic of what you're creating in your business right? Like I have a client right now and she's killing it. Like she's going to hit a hundred thousand this year in her first full year time, like full time, her first year full time in her business. But she hasn't even let herself sit in the magic of what she's creating because she used to make $350,000 per year as an HR executive. And that sucks on so many levels. One, because the day-to-day experience of your life is zapped of all its joy. Two, because motivating yourself from it not being enough and whipping yourself until you get, quote unquote, back to where you were actually makes you go slower, like you make yourself feel awful and then you have to drag yourself along like dead weight, which affects how powerfully you're able to market. It creates high levels of burnout, a lot of start and stopping, which ironically makes you actually growing your business takes so much longer. And three... Because what you do when you tell yourself it's not enough yet is you shit on all of your clients. It's like looking at every single miracle that has come into your space, every single sacred relationship, the human on the other side of that, and diminishing them. 
And when you're in that space, it does not go unnoticed by your people. It doesn't go unnoticed by your clients. It doesn't go unnoticed by your audience when you're marketing. It is a felt sense, right? Like you have a really hard time being open-hearted, coming from that place of deep service for your audience when your brain is running in cycles of insufficiency and you don't have enough because then you just become extremely you-focused. It's almost like if we could see on a graph the stages of what happens when you're focused on that thought, like it's too much to walk away from or whatever. It's like in the beginning, it keeps some people entirely caged in their jobs. I think I stayed in my job an extra five or six years just because I I didn't have a coach to show me that I was just taking action from that thought. I wasn't even questioning it, right? They don't even let themselves walk out of their mental jail cell. But then if they open themselves up to the possibility of there being something else, but don't er- totally erase that thought, right? They just start to sort of turn the volume down on it, but they don't zap it out. Then the next phase is they start taking action in their business, but they feel resentful about not making as much. They feel impatient about not being at their old salary yet. They feel entitled to getting bigger results faster. And it's like putting the brakes on a race car. Stop putting the brakes on your race car. And here's another super common thing I see happen with high income earners, which is that their ego has totally been built around having this exterior shiny veneer of success, all the right titles, the right schooling, whatever. And the entire reason why they have all that in the first place is they have been taught to believe that really matters. And then they come into running their own business and are terrified of losing their social status within their high income social networks. Like the idea that they could post online and not have perfect messaging or risk not getting a ton of likes, all the vanity metrics stuff, because they've run in circles where your social value is essentially how shiny is your resume? How shiny do you look on the outside? So if this is where you're at, I want you to consider again, How much are you willing to sell yourself away for to stay superficially shiny and uphold a pretend wall of perfection in order to gain the approval of people who would reject or be disinterested in you if you took your mask off? Because here's the thing. Some people totally might want to stick around. Your ride or die people are going to keep ride or dying with you. But remember that most other people are just as caged in their minds as you are in yours. So if you run in circles where they've been taught to measure their worth by their social networks and their LinkedIn title and the curated social media feed that shows they are excelling at being the best box checkers in the history of society, then you coming out and basically blowing up a lot of the boxes is probably going to seem weird to them at best and super threatening to them at worst. And only you get to decide if you're willing to live your life to appease those arbitrary standards that both of your brains have been exposed and indoctrinated by. And I would really think about that now, like decide what rules and standards you're willing to play by in order to be accepted by society or relatable to others. Like I was recently talking to some of my friends and like as we get out of six-figure, low multiple six-figure kind of business income, As an entrepreneur, we start climbing out of like normal people money and into like weirdo money. And it makes people uncomfortable. Like in this conversation, I think I was at the lower end of the income scale. A lot of my friends are at the seven figure, multiple seven figure level. And we were just discussing how many of our families literally don't ask about how our business is doing. 
And we have to just manage our brains around that. Because of course, there's a little kid inside of us that deeply wants their approval, that wants to feel accepted as part of the tribe. But we've had to make the conscious decision that the cost of us not living into our potential is too high for the prize of being relatable to people, including our family members which is another huge reason why masterminds are so important because it puts you into a container that is full of your people, your tribe that you can deeply relate to and feel seen and heard and understood by. So if you find yourself trying to please a certain group of people by curating your marketing on social media, really start to get curious why you're doing that. Like really start to ask yourself why your brain is so anxious to be accepted by them. And if on your deathbed, you would be proud of those decisions. Because here's the truth. Your ramp into entrepreneurship might not be easy. It's so interesting. I asked my Instagram audience today in what ways entrepreneurship feels harder than the other big things they've done in their lives. And here are some of the responses. From Lindsay, who has a PhD and spent her career out earning her partner as a pharmacist. My degree was checking off boxes. This is creating the boxes from scratch and not having a guaranteed outcome once they are checked. I love this one. Like we want the checklist of like post this many times per day and email at the same time every week or whatever, the formula for the business. When really there's just a set of principles, there's a process and a set of principles and it's our mindset while we create the marketing that determines the effectiveness of it. My client cat had a similar comment which was that entrepreneurship is all about going outside the boxes instead of seeing what other people, what other boxes are that people have laid out and then checking those boxes off to appear successful. Or here's one from Janine on why entrepreneurship feels uniquely hard. It requires bravery and vulnerability. I didn't need that to get into Stanford. Like you guys, When we do the hard things like getting into Stanford that we've been socially conditioned to want to strive for, people cheer us on. And then when we blow up that path and decide to do our own thing, it requires having our own back at such a deep, profound level, like being willing to let our family and friends think we're a little bit crazy for walking away from the fancy job to do the thing we actually care about. I've said it so many times before, but it's like a complete brain rewire from the ground floor up. And are you willing to spend as many years as you spent studying to be an employee as you are to studying how to excel and master the world of entrepreneurship? Are you willing to invest as much in high-level mentorship and masterminds and business programs as you did in earning your university education? And if not, why? I was thinking about it since I've started my business just two years ago, I've invested over $150,000 into developing my brain to operate at its highest level, to learn entrepreneurship from the top players in the game. $150,000. That's actually per year a lot more than I spent on college. And I plan on continuing to continually invest in myself and my business to feed my brain and my business whatever it needs to continue to flourish and help more people. And get super honest with yourself. Are you in it for as long as it takes? In the very beginning, I worked my ass off for an entire year 
And I ended my first year, I can't remember if it was sixty or $70,000, which is a lot to some people, but that amount for me was literally less than I had ever made in my entire career, like even right out of college, right? And I probably worked twice as hard, granted from a miserable place of hustling to an attempt like, oh, I was so desperate to get back to where I was so that I could feel good about myself and I could stop whipping myself. Why do you think I'm making this episode for you guys, right? To hopefully save you some months and years and a lot of suffering on your journey. Like in the very beginning of my business, I just I just kept looking back, right, at my swanky six-figure job that was flexible enough that I just went out for two-hour lunches with friends and to get my nails done in the middle of the workday, and literally nobody cared. And my brain was like, why, why, why are you giving that up? It's insanity. But there was this other deeper part of me that knew I was made for more, that I was meant to do more, be more, help people. And the moment I stopped waffling back and forth, back and forth was the moment I made a firm agreement with myself. And the agreement I made was that I was 100% committed to earning six figures in my business and I wouldn't stop or question what I was doing anymore until I got back to that six-figure level. And then once I was at the six-figure mark in my business, then I told myself I could decide if I wanted to go back to being an employee. And when I did that, I just plugged up this gigantic energetic leak because I was spending like over half of every single day spinning and wondering and doubting. And the moment I made that decision, I cleaned up all of that, right? I got like four hours out of every day back where I was just like doubting and ruminating and spinning in my mind. And I just got four hours to be productive and actually create my business back. I had all of this time and energy back to just actually actively create my business, which played a pivotal role in how I went from 60,000 that first year when I was spinning to over 300,000 in my second, far surpassing what I had ever made in corporate. So get super honest with yourself. Are you in it for as long as it takes? Because if you really ask yourself, right, am I in this for as long as it takes? And the answer is that you're not right now, like that you actually haven't made a commitment to 100% you're in this for as long as it takes, then that's actually terrifying, right? You're operating day to day with a ticking time bomb inside of you. Which again, think not just about your peace of mind, but also how effective you'll be able to work in your business with a ticking time bomb right next to you, sitting there in the room with you. You'd feel constantly on edge and very failure fragile because you've given yourself an arbitrary time box before your brain will tell you it's over and you can't do it. The outside world is scary enough as it is, my friends. So like, let's not commit terrorism within ourselves on top of that. And here's the deal. Once you're 100% committed that you're in it for as long as it takes, you're committed to feeding yourself and your baby business whatever it needs to thrive, the rest of your decisions become super easy, which may include a reduced cost and quote unquote standard of living while you do this. When I left my job, I stopped getting my nails done. We stopped eating out at fancy restaurants every week. I quit some of the wine clubs that I had belonged to for years. I know for like, for those of you that like haven't been in high income jobs, you're probably like, oh my God, this is the world's tiniest violin. But to people who have lived their lives in high income jobs, this shit, this is the kind of stuff that's like your brain is clinging onto. We even actually had a six month period where 
We let go of our childcare, and I coached at nights when my husband could watch the kids. To this day, with a business generating over $600,000 per year, we live in a home where all three of my children share one bedroom. Because right now, my biggest priority is like, my business is only a couple years old, right? Like I'm still feeding. That's, that's a baby that I'm taking care of in addition to my three children. And so are you willing to prioritize your dream, your business in your budget, in your time, in your energy? Are you willing to put off buying your vacation home? Are you willing to not upgrade your kitchen while you get your business off the ground? And be super honest with yourself, because here's the thing I found, being a person who has lived with tremendous privilege. It's super easy to say yes. It's much harder to live it. And how you know whether or not it's really a priority is to look at where you're spending your time and where you're spending your money. It's super easy to go to the swanky fundraisers, to put the yard signs in your yard about how committed you are to a better world, the inspirational coffee cup, the virtue signaling we do with our friends. Super easy to consume a bunch of podcasts and say we're quote unquote working on our business, but there's no emotional risk in any of that. It's an attempt to curate the right appearance of our values outwardly to our social network. But the craziest thing is if we don't watch it, we also lie to ourselves too by doing the low risk things like tinkering with our website and listening and signing up for all the webinars instead of doing the harder thing like, are you fucking living your values? If you really value freedom, are you prioritizing making yourself free? If you value service, are you prioritizing creating insane demand for the thing you feel deeply called to serve in? If you value serving, then the decision to go live on video on all of your social media channels, including LinkedIn, my friends, to get the word out about how you can help in your business becomes a no-brainer. It only becomes a difficult decision when you're prioritizing the curation of how others perceive you, trying to curate the appearance of that pristine social status. And here's the next place your brain will take you, because I've coached myself and many, many of you through this. Your brain will tell you that you're privileged, so you shouldn't be selling your services. That's the next thing, right? Like once you cross that last hurdle and you get here, just ignore that. You have incredible talent, you have incredible potential, and when you spend all day, every day in your zone of genius helping dream clients, they are delighted to pay you money because the value they receive is far more than what they pay you. It's just your ego trying to wrap itself up in something that sounds virtuous. It's not. Just keep going. This also isn't an invitation to shame yourself or beat yourself up. Listen, our brains are hardwired to want acceptance from the tribe. Of course, your brain is scared and wants you to stay where you are. Like for so, so many people, they wait until they hit rock bottom to go for what they really want. But when you are in a position of privilege, oftentimes your rock bottom doesn't look like the rock bottoms you see in the movies. It's a rock bottom of the soul while you are surrounded by a lot of material comfort and it creates so much dissonance in your brain because there's like this yearning, this deeper knowing inside of you. And it's like, wait a second, why would I do this? And of course your brain is scared. We don't need to make our brains wrong for that or get mad at them. We just need to not let that fear brain make any decisions, right? We need to learn to operate from the bigger, deeper part of our spirit and let that drive the car. 
I'll never forget in my last job, I went out with the CEO right before he had a meeting with the board of directors. And there were like a lot of things that were going on at the company that I worked at. And as an employee, it was like very unclear to me. I could tell like there was something wrong with the leadership. I didn't like, I was like, there's something funky happening. And sitting down with the CEO that day, it became very clear that he also was dissatisfied with where the business was going. And basically, the, the board of directors didn't want, they didn't share the same vision that he had as the CEO. This is why I think it's so important as entrepreneurs. Like, I'm not even, please don't ever put me into the world of VC funding, right? When you have a board of directors, you actually end up working like you're an employee. So he was going in as the CEO with an ultimatum, basically, because when he got down to it, he disagreed with the vision of what the board wanted the company to go. And so his plan, he told me like right before he went in and he was like, you know what, I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell them if like they're not willing to go this other direction that I believe in my heart and soul is right for the company, I'm going to resign as the CEO. And I'll never forget, he looked at me with a mix of kind of terror and delight on his face. And he said, Ain't nobody got leverage like a man with nothing to lose. And what was so fascinating to me was that from an outsider's perspective, he had a tremendous amount to lose. He was the CEO of a $25 million per year tech company. His wife was pregnant with their first child. And the board actually said no that day. And he resigned from the company. But he had nothing to lose because his soul had hit rock bottom and there was nowhere to go but up. When I started my business, I was pregnant with my third child. And it seemed insane to me to be starting a business with two small children at home and another on the way. And I had a husband that made enough money that I quote unquote didn't have to work. That could be a whole other podcast. I see so many women, privileged women. (laughs) that they use their husband's income as an excuse to not go after the dreams that they know they're capable of. And that thought keeps them so small. But that's a the podcast for another day. <laughs> and of course, my brain was telling me, like, you don't have to do this. Like, just relax. It's not the right time. All the things. But the deeper part of me knew that wasn't true. And I had to make an agreement with myself to let myself have the crazy dream that I wanted and to go after it no matter what. And when I was willing to let go of the privilege, when I was willing to let go of my high social status, to have all of my Ivy League friends make fun of my online videos over cocktails, to have my family members be totally confused by what it was that I was doing, when I was willing to let go of all of that, I became free. And when I became free, there was nothing I couldn't do. And when there was nothing I couldn't do, I flew past my old high income salary that I spent a decade clinging on to because it was quote unquote, too good to give up. Where would you have to be in your heart where you truly know you have nothing to lose? Where would you have to be in your mind where you know it doesn't matter? Because even if you lost it all, you're capable of creating it all over again. This is the art of giving up the good to create the truly remarkable. It is a trade worth making any day of the week. I encourage you to try it. I love all of you so much, and I'll talk to you next week.